Hello and welcome to podcast number 8 of PastaCast, the advice and discussion show for members of NASTA. This week we continue the conversation with Stuart Wood, former NASTA tech officer, on the subject of live programming. And this edition is all about internet streaming. If you are streaming an event from your university campus and yes. you've got your camera set up and so on, okay, how are you then getting the pictures out of either your camera or your vision mixers? How are you getting them onto the internet? What hardware and software are you using to do that? First of all, the capture card. There's a load of different people who make the capture cards for your camera and you've got to really look at what inputs and outputs you want. So generally, if you've uh, got older equipment with uh, just uh, composite inputs, you'll need to get an analog capture card. And these are coming less and less available now. Uh, more going over to you know HDMI or um, SDI, HD SDI capture cards. And you can pick these up quite cheaply now. When I was back at Reading, we actually picked up one. It wasn't that great, the quality, but it was only £30. So that capture card allowed us to capture the composite video and the audio uh, from the camera, and then it converted it into a format that the computer could then pass to the internet. So you've got to look at what outputs you have on either your camera or your vision mixer and then use that to decide which card to use. So there's then a couple of options. You can either have a USB or Firewire card. That means you can use it on your Mac. If you're using Mac, they'll normally use Firewire, but more recently, moving to USB, especially with USB 3.0, you can uh, get HD video on USB 2 or 3. So don't be limited by your hardware have an external capture card that does the encoding for you so there's a few different capture cards which you can use so you can use blackmagic they provide a lot of affordable cards another company called arja aja they provide a couple of options for capturing digital video so you can have a usb external card or an internal card which is uh, connected into a broadcast PC. If you have the budget, you can create a computer dedicated to the encoding and streaming of your data. Matrox, that's another option as well. It's uh, They do some cheaper alternatives to the ones that are used in broadcast industry as well. So it depends on your budget as well because these capture cards can range from a couple of hundred pounds up to a few thousand pounds again depending if you want to capture SD or HD but once you've got that video captured onto your computer you then need to transmit that into the internet this mystical place so you've got a few options and they kind of differ between Mac and PC I have to admit I'm uh, more of a PC guy but there are a few websites, actually a lot of websites which allow you to do broadcasts and embed their players into your own website as well as broadcasts on theirs. Justin TV, Blip TV, uh, Ustream, those sort of candidates. Oh and YouTube as well now of course if you're 
able to broadcast on YouTube, then I think this is a good option. But those all come with a caveat of you're limited to their player and you have to have their branding on your stream and potentially adverts with YouTube. So if you're looking to do it yourself, then you're going to need to think about the bandwidth, how many people are going to be watching your show. And that's going to be the biggest thing that's going to catch people out. If the bandwidth used by the people, so the network isn't powerful enough to support lots of viewers, then your server will have a bottleneck and you won't be able to provide the streams to them. That's one consideration. And if you're on the Janet network, which is the network, joint academic network, which joins together all of the universities, and it has a massively powerful infrastructure with, I think, something like over 10 gigabit connections between each of the universities, so there's a big backbone to the UK internet, then you shouldn't really have a problem with that bandwidth. And in actual fact, it'll probably be wherever you're placing your server. So you need a server to be able to broadcast. This can be technically any PC, but you're going to need to find somewhere to house that PC. And the problem is what we found when we did try ourselves is that the university like to lock down different parts of your network. So you either have to talk to them nicely or find ways to work around it. So they might be blocking certain network ports. They might be blocking certain IP addresses being added to the network. So adding new computers is difficult. So this is why you need to suck up to your IT departments and uh, get them on your side. So doing the stream is kind of easy with the software these days. It does take a little bit of configuring, though. Let's explore a couple of those issues. First of all, in terms of the server itself, your PC yes. or Mac, ideally, what sort of processing power does that okay. machine need to have? Uh, so if you are just encoding one stream and then sending it to, for example, the Janet servers to broadcast out or to YouTube to broadcast out, then your PC doesn't need to be that powerful. As long as you have a capture card which does the encoding on the actual capture device. So that's one important difference. If you get a cheap capture card, then it won't have a chip on board to encode the video before passing it to the PC. It will rely on your CPU to do the encoding. And actually, when I did buy the cheap version, we found that you got audio glitches where the processor was not able to keep up. If you're using an external encoder and a single stream, then I would suggest that pretty much any modern day laptop or desktop would be sufficient. Um, when I go into specs, I'd say i3 or i5 or AMD, but it has to obviously be able to run the software. And if you want to do any kind of software mixing or anything, which we can talk about later, then you're going to need a lot more powerful computer. If you're actually talking about the server um, that does the broadcast to, say, 500 viewers, then you need a lot more processing power and potentially RAM as well, as that's important. And also a good network uh, card in there. 
which most of the time is going to be a gigabit network card, which is pretty standard on computers these days. But if you're doing a broadcast, then you need to um, do a little bit of calculating because it's kind of a, you can't say, yes, you need this spec to be able to encode to this video rate, not straight off. So if you're, for example, encoding to a common format such as H.264, then it actually requires a lot more processing power than if you're encoding it to something like MPEG. Uh, it is a lot higher compression rate with the H.264, which is a video format, if anybody's not aware. That allows you to stream to internet browsers. Uh, it's quite a common format, but it does require more processing power. So you're probably then looking at, if you're broadcasting out to a few hundred people, higher-end processors like maybe minimum i5, but i7 core processor or a Xeon processor, if you're really looking to get a streaming server running. You alluded to it there just a moment ago with regard to your uni IT department. Yep. As you said, they may already have provisions in place which block certain protocols. I think it would be normal, for example, for any uni or SUIT department to have a block in place to prevent people from doing things like bit torrenting to make sure that yep. the, the quality of the network is being preserved. But I guess it comes down to what kind of event it is that you're streaming. If it's something, for example, say the announcement of the results of your SU elections, sure. there's going to be an expectation from the IT department that yourself and maybe your student radio station are going to be coming along saying, look, we want to do a show. With regard to this, at this time, they know exactly what sort of time, what period of time you're talking about. If it's your station slot on something like Freshers TV, then yes. that's going to be a completely different situation because your IT department will not know of that until you approach them. So in order to get from A to Z in the fastest possible way, not suggesting that uni IT departments are in any way a pain hmm. to have to deal with, but let's, some try, aren't, well, some yeah, aren't. let's try and keep it really simple you want to be able to go to them and just say, I want to be able to do this. So what's the best way of actually approaching your IT department and just laying this out and saying precisely, this is what we're looking to do. Tell us what you need from us. Tell us, you know, can we get a time slot of, say, half an hour at this specific time? And if there isn't going to be anybody from your IT department on hand when you're actually doing it, then what information do you need to know to make sure that there isn't anything that somebody's later on going to come up and say, oh, yeah, didn't you realize you had to tick that box, for example? Yeah, yeah. I think the first thing to point out is probably you just try it first because it's entirely possible, like I think Freshers TV you're going to be broadcasting to the central server normally, uh, for example, or even to YouTube if you're broadcasting online that way, then actually a lot of the times you're not going to face any problems with sending the stream through. So the first thing before bothering the IT department is to test whether it works in the first place. Obviously, if you're going to be putting a massive load on their network, then it's probably worth letting them know they suddenly get suspicious if they suddenly start seeing a lot of traffic going to a server that they are not aware of. So if you're setting up the system, you need to let them know about that. But when approaching them, really, that it probably depends on the IT department, but from experience, they seem to appreciate it when you have some kind of you know, document saying, look, we're going to do this broadcast, we expect this amount of people to come and view it, and we want to 
broadcast it, say, ourselves. So we're setting up this streaming server, and we know that that streaming server needs to run on port XYZ. So are these ports open, and are we okay to install this server for this period of time? Or they might actually already have a streaming server. Certain universities have already got a streaming server. So by approaching them, you might actually benefit from that because they might be able to give you their streaming server that's already set up to broadcast. Now let's look at a slightly different scenario because so far we've talked about being in the university and we've talked about the university ID department and so on. Now, what if, for example, say your university rugby team knocks on your door and says, oh, you're the student TV people. We're playing such and such team Saturday afternoon. We were wondering, would you guys be able to put that match online? For the people who can't get to see it, could you do like a live broadcast or something like that? Now, assuming that you're not going to have the cooperation of the IT department at whatever ground or whatever locality this match is going to take place, is it feasible, for example, that you could, say, use something like a free G dong attached to your server PC and stream that way? Firstly, yes, it is. Um, but there's a lot more considerations to take into account before you can say yes. Firstly, you cannot, I would strongly advise against doing a broadcast from your laptop to say 100 people. You, you need the bandwidth and reliability of the connection to do that. With 3G or 4G, you don't have that. What you can potentially do is to get your video stream and send it via 3G or 4G back to your station or another server that then rebroadcasts the video, your program, to uh, your viewers, and that server is responsible for passing it out to the however many viewers you have, because you won't be able to keep up over your 3G or 4G connection. It's not very realistic. But some of the bigger concerns are that if you're going somewhere you don't know, say you're going to another university, for example, do they actually have 3G or 4G coverage that's going to be good enough to do a broadcast? Now obviously, you can test that by heading over there. If you it's not too far away, set up a camera and your laptop and just stream some video, or even just stream some video without a camera. It's just about whether you have the reliability of the network. Because the thing is that wireless networks uh, you can't rely on a message being sent from your laptop with a 3G dongle to the cell phone mask and to your viewers in a reliable amount of time. It's going to change depending on how much traffic there is, how many other people are using their mobile phones and tablets and watching YouTube, which could affect you when you actually come to do your broadcast when you have a massive audience there all watching. I would say it's definitely possible, and especially if you're in a city, um, then it's going to be a lot easier than if you're out somewhere rural where they don't have such good reception. And universities generally have their own um, telephone masks anyway. So I think it's definitely possible, but you have to do some testing first because you need to work out what bit rates you're going to broadcast at. That's important because if you try and broadcast in ultra high definition 
then you're probably not going to be able to keep up on your 3G dongle. And also consider that you have a good data plan that's not going to cost you hundreds of pounds because you went over your data limit. That's a fairly important point to consider. But it's definitely possible. It's done in the industry a lot recently as well. And um, talking to a company recently who said that they install 4G networks throughout city centers and towns to actually help provide news with quicker live coverage so they don't have to rock up with a uh, satellite uplink van they can just turn up with a live broadcasting pack like there's some different models out there now that allow you to have a backpack with the battery and the broadcast software and the 3g or 4g antenna and so it allows them to do sort of professional broadcast quality broadcasts but what you're missing on the Standard network is the reliability of it always being a good connection. But I wouldn't say that, that that should stop you trying, but what you should do is make sure that everybody involved realizes that it's not going to be a reliable stream. So make sure you record it locally in case the broadcast doesn't go out. Then you can say, well, you know, technology didn't quite play out here. So we've got a recording of it and we'll put it up on our website. Otherwise, if you don't have any of them, either the live broadcast or a recording, then I think people are going to get upset. But hey, it's new technology. What can you expect? You've got to give it a go. And it definitely gives you the possibility of doing a live broadcast from places that you, at the moment, would not have. So let's talk about different bit rates. And first of all, different formats, different codecs, how to choose the best one for any particular live stream. So first of all, if you're going to be streaming to a video site and they're going to be redistributing it, then you don't really have to worry. You need to either download their application that provides you the streaming capability. And in there, you'll be able to choose the bitrate, which we'll talk about in a minute. But if you're doing it yourself and using something flash like Flash Media Encoder, or you're using some other streaming software, then you need to consider what format you'll be able to play it back on the viewer's devices. So it used to be that it was only really in the browser that people would be watching the streams and Flash was quite popular as a player. And generally you'd use H.264, which is a pretty common format for doing your live broadcast. It's now changed quite a bit because you'll probably want to enable your live stream to be able to go onto Android and Apple iPhones and tablets as well as your standard browser. So that makes it a bit more difficult to actually get a stream out that is capable of being played on these devices. And you'll find that sometimes you'll need to actually encode to a couple of different formats and Sometimes to make it easier for your viewers, also different resolutions, so that if they're streaming onto a mobile device, has a small screen and maybe limited uh, internet bandwidth, then you'll want to give them a lower resolution so that you can get a higher quality stream to them. But the actual codecs, if you are encoding H.264, uh, it's important to consider the audio format as well as the video format because, for example, Apple, I think, only supports 
AAC audio in their players. And they don't support Flash, of course, on their devices because they don't believe in Flash, which is fair enough. So now people are looking more into HTML5 mixed with Flash players to play back the video that's being broadcast on your servers. The other thing as well is bit rates and sort of knowing when to use different bit rates because of course the example the rugby match that we spoke about would benefit far better from a higher bit rate than your SEO elections for example yes yeah well actually first things is if you are going to put the bit rate too high in the first place then you're going to have the same problem of people having to wait for your video to buffer and having to have a good network connection to even be able to stream your video. So actually, sometimes it's better to have lower quality video, but actually your viewers can see the video and not have to wait for it to buffer and they get behind on the stream because if it spends too long loading, then people will get bored and just head off. But as you say, the the things like a fast-paced action, sports match... Um, or some kind of dance shows or action uh, on stage movement or low like quality lighting you want to get the bitrate higher so that you can get more um, more quality in and uh, it's not even entirely to do with the bitrate unfortunately it's also to do with the way the video is encoded and the type of video encoding you use so there, there's different ways of encoding the video and some of those are, for example, you have a full video frame, which is one picture. If you think about a video frame, there's 25 of them in the UK per second, which is like a flick book with 25 pictures in it going by in one second, which is obviously a very fast flick book. But it's a bit more complicated when you start encoding the video so you then have one full frame and say 10 frames later you'll have another full frame and the frames in between will be only parts of a frame the bits have changed so when you watching that back as a viewer if you don't get those full frames then you don't get a good picture and that's why you get picture breakup a lot of the time with digital tv because of the way it's encoded. Now, obviously, the further apart you put those full frames, the less information you need to send to your viewers, but also um, sometimes the harder it is for them to jump back into the video. So, unfortunately, the reason why video is video formats are so complicated is because there's so many of them. I'd say that the best thing to do, actually, is to look at some of the streaming sites such as YouTube and get an idea from them to the formats they use which will generally be the H.264 stream and then you want to think about the resolution where that depends on if it's SD or HD and then you want to think about your bitrate again another concern is your video server if you encode your video at a very high bitrate then you're not going to be able to support as many people viewing your stream as if you put it at half the bitrate. But in general, you want to have a higher bitrate for sports and fast action. If you're looking at doing an SD broadcast, you probably want to broadcast at about between 500 to 
1,500 kilobits per second, depending on your server and your viewers. Probably e we used to do it about 750 kilobits per second. If you're looking at more HD streaming, then you want to be doing at least 1.5 megabits or 1,500 kilobits per second and to get the quality required. But you may need to go higher depending on uh, how that looks on your output. But definitely that's then able to stream to good few hundred people on a one gigabit network connection. And if you go much higher than that, then you are reducing the amount of people who are going to be able to watch your stream. Let's look at a couple of the other issues. One, you mentioned this briefly earlier on, audio being out of sync. What are the main causes of that happening? And if you find that that's the kind of feedback that you're getting from viewers whilst your live broadcast is in progress, is there really anything that you can do about it at that time? Yeah, so one thing with actually encoding the video in your video encoding format, you need to consider the audio as being quite important as well as the video. It, the audio doesn't take up much of the bit rate. So you can easily set it to 128 kilobits per second, which is CD quality. And you're going to not have any problems with the audio, not being able to pick up your range of people speaking and singing. Whereas if you're going to try and reduce the bit rate of the audio, then you could end up losing part of your audio output. As I said, it doesn't it it's negligible compared with your video bitrate. But actually lip sync lip sync is one of the biggest and most annoying issues with any live stream, even on real broadcasts that go out from proper broadcasters. And the proper broadcasters have equipment to be able to resynchronize the audio with the video if it's different on their incoming feeds or outgoing and they can change the delay or the bringing forward the audio on the stream now as student television you're not probably going to have that advantage and actually it's probably caused by something different in student television so one of the things that is going to cause that is yeah, i guess if your pc doesn't keep up with encoding the video and you have a bad uh, video card. So I would suggest that you have a good video encoding card because, for example, the ones like the Black Magic should encode the video and audio in sync and they are designed really for broadcast, so they will be in sync. Unless, of course, it's something to do with your actual equipment, so for example, your vision mixer or a delay in if you're getting your audio from a different source than your cameras and the audio is being delayed. The way it's more noticeable if the audio comes before the person has said or moved their mouth. So that's always the worst way. Unfortunately, as far as I can think, there's not that much you can do to fix that. What we generally find with doing long form, so few hours of live streaming, is over that time I have seen that the video and audio go out of sync. So it might be that if it goes out of sync a long way, then the best and quickest way to get it back is to actually 
restart your stream. But what you've got to consider is that if that kicks your viewers off, rather than it going just black, then they may not come back. There's a few reasons it could happen. And once it's gone through your encoding and being transmitted as a stream, uh, there's not really that much you can do to fix it. But if it's happening constantly, as in every broadcast you're doing, the audio is out of sync with the video, you need to find out where the audio is out of sync. So maybe you can monitor the audio on your laptop on the local incoming encoded video to check that that's all okay. And if that's okay, then check on your video player. Maybe it's actually certain devices such as certain mobile phones or what different ways that they decoding your video that's causing them trouble. So try a different video codec is another option. Having the time and the opportunity to test beforehand, and as you said earlier on, to test under the right conditions. So for example, testing your ability to be able to stream over 3G in an empty sports stadium is one thing. Doing that and then there's a thousand people around you all using mobiles on the day itself, it's a different matter entirely. But the more, in terms of experimentation that you can do, the more trials that you can do, it's going to pay off in the long run. Yeah, and that's actually um, an interesting point because, well, I ran the Reading Student Television Are You On? and we obviously were quite a technical station, but there's a lot of stations out there who have only a few technical people or no technical people on their station. And what people don't realize is that it's not a simple matter of turning up and saying, right, we can do a live broadcast now. It requires some planning and some time to actually practice and test it. And people, perhaps producers or the director of the station, doesn't realize that. And they expecting these people to do the broadcast without having the opportunity to do the testing is a bit unrealistic. Um, but always test it and always test it with as much in the way of the same conditions, as you said, as you're going to have on the day or the night. So, for example, we did a broadcast. Um, well, actually, our first Freshest TV broadcast, our first ever live broadcast, that was somewhat... We had no time to practice, really, before that because we'd only just got into our building. And so it was a bit of a rocky ride. We ended up doing fine, but there were definitely some points where we were not sure we were going to broadcast. And that's the worst thing is getting to the night and saying, oh, okay, we can't do that broadcast now. The other case we had was where we tested out some live streaming on one network socket, which we thought was on the same network. But when we moved it to a different area on the actual night to do the broadcast, it was a different issue where we weren't able to connect to the university network because on those sockets they were locked down so we couldn't connect in so we had to uh, go and plead with the IT department to actually get them to unlock it so that we could connect our streaming PC so that's what I mean about trying to make sure you test it in the place that you're going to broadcast from even if you think it's going to be just a case of doing your side there's always some other thing that comes up and make sure you get down to the place a good while before you're actually going to do the broadcast on the day so that you can set up the equipment, test the stream. Everyone has mobile phones, and so you're always going to have a way of viewing your stream right next to the video mixer, and you can do a test whilst you're setting up and all the cameras again set up and the lighting and 
whatever else you're doing. And any final thoughts on the subject of live streaming, Stuart, anything else that you'd simply advise people to bear in mind, apart from keep calm and carry on, of course? Of course, keep calm and carry on, because that's the biggest thing about live broadcast, is the pressure. That's the fun of it, is you have to get it working before you're going to go live, and you see a lot of times the broadcasts are late, but as long as you're going to get something on air, that's that's the challenge. I think, really, you want to make sure you have if possible, a good vision mixer. And if you're going to get a vision mixer, then try and find something that's going to be easily compatible with your computer so you don't cause yourself too much headache. But also, then you need to make sure it's compatible with your cameras, ones you already have, and maybe ones you're going to hire in. You need to think about your audio, where you're going to get your audio from. Are you going to mic all the people in your broadcast up say if you're doing student elections are you going to have people in the audience that are asking questions if so you need maybe a roaming wireless mic or a boom mic to cover those so there's lots of considerations for the format as well as for the encoding bit rates and the actually streaming it to the internet so you need to kind of come up with a concept that works in most situations with your streaming setup like your encoding and your format. Once you have it working, you'll generally use the same um, same settings each time, the same player, and you'll know it works, so you won't have to worry about that. But the actual setup for the broadcast, like doing a rugby broadcast, is very different from doing your student elections. So just to have a think with your technical team how you can achieve it. My thanks to Stuart Wood and to all our guests in this series of podcasts. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at NASTA Alumni. Meanwhile, thanks for listening to the Pastacast.